Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. Today we have the beautiful Callie Logan with us. Callie has written a beautiful book called Dear Future Husband, <laughs> a love letter journey while waiting for God's best. Callie writes, love letters spark within our hearts a sense of nostalgia, tender affection, and the blooming potential of the future to come. A primary theme that emerged in my conversation with Callie, as you will hear, was all about this word longing. You know how much I love words and the words within words. And so I had to look up longing. It's defined as a strong, persistent desire or craving, especially for something attainable or distant. So you know how we hold things in two hands in this community. So we're going to hold in this conversation, in the left hand, let's hold our own longing. And in the right hand, let's listen to Callie's longing. And I think that they will meet each other in the middle because we all have longings, strong, persistent desires or cravings for something either attainable or perhaps very distant. And I couldn't help but think of Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after God. And I had to look it up. You know I did. And in the Hebrew, in Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word is alreg, alreg. And it means to long for. So we could say, As the deer longs for the water, my soul longs for God. And when you look at the deepest root, it actually means to ascend. A-S-C-E-N-D. Had to look that up and the words within the words open my eyes. And it means to move, to climb, or go upward, to mount, or to rise. What? That, my friends, will preach. Okay, let's listen in to my conversation with Callie. And at the close, I will come back and see what your thoughts are. Welcome, Callie. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. And you're so close to me. You're in Richmond, which is an hour and a half away. So I am. I'm not far at all. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And you are a history teacher, Western Civ in high school. You work in a hybrid. I have a lot of homeschooling mamas here, so we are all attuned to hybrid programs. So you are what all of us who homeschool would say, an answer to our prayers. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite segment? Just as a fun little tidbit of history. Like what is your favorite uh, era or time in history that you love to teach? Is it Western Civ, obviously? Man, I would have to say I really love teaching um, like 1950s music, actually. Western Civ, we go through a lot of the music of the 50s and the 60s, and we kind of dive into Elvis and and Nelson and and all of those ones. And I just love it. And it's really cool to see the kids get excited and and love to listen to the music, or maybe they've heard it and Mm -hmm. talking about like what it takes for a song to, you know, hear all these years later, still yes. have relevancy and still Staying be something that you would choose to listen to. Um, so I just love teaching that and, and seeing oh, how fun. Enjoy. 
Yeah. I want to be in that class. That would be super fun. We, we did that in my, I bet you do. Are you allowed to dance at this place? <laughs> I bet it's a Christian, <laughs> Christian hybrid or whatever, but it would be For so fun. Credit, they can For learn extra credit. Oh. from like from 1900 to 1999. And I did get two Macarenas, which was funny. Uh, I love it so much. <laughs> that aged me out. I was like, oh, yeah. guys, it hurts a little bit. But yeah, okay. that's starting to hurt. <laughs> yeah, you're starting to get personal now. I don't really like you anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I taught high school. I homeschooled for 14 years and, and taught at a hybrid, but then just taught in my own home at 20 middle school and 20 high schools. I have a big space upstairs that my husband closed in for me to do this. And I taught literature and writing. And honestly, to this day, and, and my heart lifters know this, it, it really was the most fulfilling, meaningful thing I probably have ever done no. because I felt like it gave um, these young Christian thinkers a safe space and mm-hmm. teaching things like Romeo and Juliet and just all of this rich literature, Scroop's hate letters. And we really got into uh, deep theology yeah. and deep heart stuff and teenage problems and and so much. And so I just value that you do that. And I thank you for your commitment to our young people because they need you, Callie. They need you. They thank need you, you as a role model and they'll never forget you. They won't. It's a blessing and honor. Like I see, I I truly believe when you are somebody who's been called to or allowed to be a part of a young person's life, that is such a high honor because you see where Jesus, you know, values the children so highly too. He does. So he's trusting you with a lot when, when you have those young people around you Mm -hmm. and they're so impressionable and anything and everything you say and do or not Mm do is going to have an impact. And so it's, such an honor. And, you know, even those days where you're super tired, it's like, nope, I got to remember who I'm doing this for. And that's God. Yes. And this is a, this is a blessing that he called me to this. So I know well, you feel the same. <laughs> I absolutely do. It really, truly, I think, oh, should I go back to that? Should I go back to that? And who knows? You never know. You just yeah. never know what God might do. Yeah. I know I'm a teacher in my core. That thread is through my life from early days. Yeah. In your first book, let me just mention that first. Hang in there, girl, because it just came out last year. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about Hang in There, Girl. Yeah, the books really were kind of designed to be, you know, piggyback one another, Mm -hmm. too, um, and to be read either together or one after the other because they carry a lot of the same. um, They're different topics in them, but they Mm -hmm. carry the same heart of being intentional um, and that relationship with God and your relationship and who you're becoming and, you know, with your spouse and everything. But I have been a teacher and I've worked with youth now for about 10 years. And you just don't look like you look like a student. If when you watch on YouTube, you're going to go, there's no way possible. This child has been teaching for a decade. (laughs) But I'm blessed. My parents are in their sixties and they look like they're in their late, late forties. Well done. Nice DNA. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But what I found was when I was working with the youth, especially because you you go a lot deeper, you know, in youth group than you do, um, you know, teaching history. But I found right. that the kids would have a lot of the same questions. They'd have a lot of the same hard things. And I've always been the teacher that even at school, my office door has always been open. And so oh. the girls would come in. I had a coffee maker. I had a big thing of candy. And we would just have real and authentic conversations. Wow. Talk about a focus group, right? 
Yeah, well, it was sweet because they would come during like their study hall hour or their lunch hour and they'd be like, hey, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? Like, yeah, of course. Yes. And we would pray together and we would chat. And what I found was throughout that, I was like, man, I wish there was a resource I could give them to mm-hmm. answer some of these common questions or or serve as something that they had tangibly just kind of be a big sister. And I, love I felt it so in much. my heart that the Lord was saying, make one, <laughs> you know, they yes, write it. Yeah, if it doesn't <laughs> exist then make it. And so I certainly had the capability. I've been writing my whole mm-hmm. life. I started writing uh, hang in there girl and it came out last year and it really does seek just to be that big sister book. You know, even the questions that I know for me, at least there were questions that I was terrified to ask anybody or right. mention to anybody. And oh, God forbid, book. right? Or just right. <laughs> have to be that vulnerable? Or was there anyone really that was a safe space? I don't know. I know that I didn't have that safe space. So yeah, when you find it. the exact word. I wanted to create a safe space yeah. in just the covers of a book that they felt like they were just talking to somebody they could trust and mm-hmm. that really genuinely does care about them. Um, So that was really the heart behind the first book. And then that kind of fed into the second book too, as well. Right. Dear future husband, before we move on to that, though, you and I were talking before we hit record, which is always the juiciest material or the most fun. And you were telling me that you started writing in a journal in kindergarten. Yeah. So you must have learned how to write early because that's very young. (laughs) So tell us about that because it made my heart so happy. Just made it such a fun little story. I just vividly remember when my mom was was great. And when I was, instead of sending me to um, an in-person preschool, she did so much work with me as a little kid. Um, Like she taught me sign language before I could even talk. And so I was reading and writing pretty early. And remember, I had this little blue journal and I had like a moon on it and little stars. And it was one of those little plasticky journals that Adorable. was like a pocket size. And I just remember writing like what my, was happening in my day or if oh there was gosh. something I wanted to tell my parents, but I didn't want to say it out loud. I would yeah. write it in the journal. And then as I a would... kindergarten, as a kindergartner, that's <laughs> yeah. incredible. And then I would place the journal conveniently on the counter and just, if they happened to pick it up, then they would read what I was trying to say. Um, but I just remember wanting to capture, you know, the things of my day. I wanted to remember them. And, and it was kind of a blessing like that, that I could, I, it was an outlet that was a safe space for me to kind of right. contemplate and pour out my own thoughts. Did they prompt you to do that? Or like, did mom buy the little journal and say, this is a place where you can keep your safe secrets? Or you just saw it in the store or something or got it and was like, I just intuitively, I am a writer. I I am a journaler. Yeah, I I just kind of happened. (laughs) So It's very foretelling though. It is. It's like a foreshadowing of uh, your future in many ways. Yeah. It's funny. My mom even says in the naming of me, she remembered when she was Mm. pregnant with me, she had a thought one day and I was actually named after a television character. Um, Which one? I'm thinking. I know that. uh, Callie from Dallas. It was a show. (laughs) Your mom and I, we know that. Friday nights, man. Dallas night. But she said that she had this feeling that because the apparently Callie in in Dallas was an artist. And she said, Mm -hmm. I had this feeling that you were going to be an artist and blonde. And that was just the feeling I had in my gut. And so I wanted to give you a name. And I remember saying, well, what if she's a writer? 
that she needs a good writer name. Um, I love this. And so she just kind of had this gut feeling, you know, while, while pregnant with me that I would, that was going to be my future. And she said that she played around with the name like so many times to make sure the spelling was how she wanted it and just everything. And so so, fun. Yeah. How many siblings do you have? I have one brother. One brother. Okay. Are you the older or younger? I'm the oldest. Yep. Okay. Love that so much. So you were her first. Yep. So I'm the third parent, right? So (laughs) you sure as heck are. Exactly. (laughs) You left out a little piece. You said you wrote in there about a little boy named Brian in your class? Bradley. Bradley. Okay. I don't know why I still remember the name. He was my first crush. He was my first crush. And I just remember there was a kid, Nick Bedias, and he told me at lunch that he thought Bradley Peck liked me. And um, and I was I was all aglow and had the little butterflies. And so I had to write it down in my journal and exactly. Kindergarten, dear future Bradley. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) You were noticing way back then, which indicates to me as well, Callie, because I don't think every kindergartner has that bent or looks like you've had a heart to be a wife or to be with someone since you were a little girl. Like it's a beautiful, a beautiful nod to that, you know, like just that whole sense of longing, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's yeah. a longing. And so I think that's what really comes through dear future husband is this deep longing. And we don't talk about that word very much, but I have several young women in my life that it's just perplexing to me that they have not met their, their person mm-hmm. and that they're not in a married state. So help us understand that a little bit. Help us understand your struggle. Is has it been perplexing to you? Yeah, there there are if it is a struggle. Oh, very much. <laughs> so, okay. Um, no, well, well, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I I really wanted to encapsulate and share in the book as well because I actually opened up my own letters that I've written to my future spouse since I was eighteen. So I have twelve years worth of letters, and <clears throat> when I went into the project. I did walk down memory lane in so many ways. And I I very thoughtfully spaced it out, but I kind of took them year by year. And so for a couple of days, I would read one year's worth. And I kind of had this interaction with me at different stages. And a lot of them are not, I didn't hide and I didn't stray away in the real letters. And I I didn't do that in the book of a lot of the the longing unfulfilled and a lot of the Nights where, you know, I, I cried myself to sleep. I, I There's one yeah. very vividly, it's like a Valentine's Day where I just, I just cried Ugh. the whole day. And, um, and I don't hide that. I, I, because Good. I think if I were, it would create, I, one, I feel like a hypocrite and two, yeah. I, it would create this false narrative that being patient and waiting is this glorious, happy amusement park. And it's not. Oh, it's so not. Mm-mm. And no, you please know, don't hide it. Please share yeah. because that's what I know from sitting in my breathing room here with clients. That's what they need to hear. And so often mm-hmm. when we write, you know, there is an ethical storytelling we have to, you know, adhere to and just enough of your story. But I know that it's what I long to read in someone's story so that I don't feel alone. 
Yes. And that right. was exactly the heart and sentiment. I didn't want to hide it because, you know, we friendship and connection is formed from vulnerability. It and is. so I really wanted to bring that about and share, this has not been an easy journey. It's been very lonely at times. There have been times where, you know, you're dating somebody and you, you think that this person, there's a lot of potential or this might be a good situation. Yes. And then something goes awry and, mm. you know, or God asks you to give that up. And that's really hard because you're like, I have a burdened hand and you're asking me to give this up. Yeah. Um, so I really tried to share that because for my own journey, and I, I really wanted the book, I want women to be able to see themselves in it. I don't want them to read my autobiography. I want them to right. relate and feel, oh my gosh, me too. You Girl, know, like, I get I it. Right. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. Like your stained pillows. You know, that was <laughs> yeah, it. Yes. Um, you pinned it. Right. Yep. Um, uh, so I tried to write the book in the way that it was open enough and not specific details enough that it was relatable to just about any woman. Um, but for yeah. me personally, it's, it's been a long journey. It's, you know, God has definitely asked me to, um, be single for a long time, a lot longer than I anticipated. And mm -hmm. you have, you grew up with expectations. My parents got married. They met at 21. They got married at 22. And I kind of yeah, grew yeah. up with this expectation that I'd be married by 22, 23. Yeah. And when that came and went, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, it's still okay. And then 25 comes and then I celebrated 30 this Ugh. last year, 2022. And and that was hard. It was a it was yeah. a sting. It was a bitter sting. But I think mm -hmm. what has gotten me through is I know that we do have a good father who keeps his promises and he's always on time. And so I know that yes. for whatever reason, there's either something he's working on in me or he's working on in my husband that needs to be brought forward because he loves us too much to put us together before we're ready. I look at it too, you know, the Lord has expressed to me that I've gone through a winnowing season. And I think about Ooh. when you have a piece of wood and you're winnowing away and you're taking away what doesn't belong, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I would have fit as I ought to with my husband had some of those pieces of wood not been taken away. And I want that fit. I want to be his rib. I want to be the rib that fits. So oh. I'm looking at it that there is purpose and there's purpose mm -hmm. in my pain. It's he doesn't mm -hmm. turn, you know, he collects our tears, you know, he mm -hmm. doesn't turn a blind eye and he's, he doesn't promise that walking with him is going to be perfect and grand and sunshine happy all the time, but he does promise yeah. that he'll be with us. And so mm -hmm. I know that it's worth it. And I also know that, you know, I, I think my wedding day is going to be one that like the happiest day of my life, not because like, oh, I get a wedding and cake, but actually like, oh, thank goodness, this wait is over. <laughs> so, I can move on. The winnowing at this stage is over anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know. I think so. we all will be winnowed. I love the imagery of that. And so yeah, heartlifters, maybe look at that a little bit and study that a little bit about winnowing because it's such a, a powerful process. And I always shared with myself, too, when I was a single, but also to my children and other young women, when your heart is yielded to God and like yours and you're, you know, obviously at 18, you had an expectation so that you said the first word, there is an expectation, right? That, uh, oh, I, I know what I want to ask too. Hold on with me here, heart lifters. I'm going somewhere. Did you just start writing these letters or were you prompted by something you heard or you just thought, I'm just going to start writing letters to my future husband. You know, I had always journaled a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, since kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> um, but 
I realized, so when I was 18, I didn't, I didn't have a date to the prom. Right. And I went to this, um, sleepover or whatever. And we were talking about guys and we were talking about all these things. And I just have always had a really intentional heart. I was never boy crazy, even though I had that one crush in kindergarten. <laughs> Little moment. Yeah. I've just, I've never been boy crazy. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of like, well, I don't want to just date because I'm bored. You know, I no. want to date because I actually want to spend and share my life with one person and mm-hmm. grow Definitely. with him, you know, and I want to entwine our roots and everything. And so I remember saying something similar when I was 18. And of course, the other girls at the slumber party were like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're just a like, little odd. Yeah. That, that didn't yeah. fit our. It's uh, a little our weird. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I'm just, sure. <laughs> but I, life was changing so quickly. And I thought, man, like, I know for a fact he's nowhere around right now. Like, he's not in my high school. He's not. He's not a youth group. He's not here. Like it was just evident. And I thought, man, like, I really wish I could tell him about everything. And then I thought about the idea, well, I could write him letters. And I have been fascinated since I was a little kid with the idea of um, letters from World War II that like, and how they could share like their day to day or like, this Mm -hmm. is going on and their lives were changing rapidly. I mean, you know, you think about war and all of that. So I thought, well, if I can encapsulate kind of like a message in a bottle, who I am right now and what's going on, then even though he's not here, he can at least read it and see like, oh, like, yeah, like I get that, you know, like I kind of feel like I was there because you detailed it so well. And so, oh my gosh, this is going to be so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so it started off as that. And then it just kind of became a habit Beautiful. in the best way, a good mm-hmm. habit where I just started, you know, like if big things would happen or sometimes I'd get some quirky little idea like, oh, well, you know, it'd be really cool if at Christmas, you know, we did, we did this, that, or the other. And I so, just love this. This is so fun. I mean, that's, it's, it's a, a novel as well. It's not just a, a nonfiction book, but such a novel as well that you could yeah, develop that into yeah. a Hallmark movie. I don't know. That could be very <laughs> right? cool, I girl. That. I would love that. I so think it you, just I kind think of you evolved over time. And it was funny to see even just rereading them. Some of these ideas I had, like I had the entire letter about apple trees I wanted to get. Like, <laughs> So awesome, though. How creative. What a great place for you to just deposit your heart. Yeah. Right. And just to to let it out, especially when other peers are not understanding. Right. Yeah. You, you exhibit to me an image to me, a wisdom above your years. So I have no doubt that you had that wisdom above your years back at 18, 16, 15, when, you know, your peers perhaps didn't quite have that. You know, that's not to puff your ego. That's your that's your stature. That's who God created you to be, gave you wisdom. And I'm so grateful you're sharing and putting this wisdom on paper, you know, for, oh yeah, man, for these young girls, I, you know, one day I will have grandchildren that age, you know, they're only one in seven months right now. But, you know, I just am grateful you're putting it down into a legacy. And you can continue to develop that reprint, reprint, reprint. But what I was getting at before was just, I believe when we have hearts that are so turned to God like David, right? And even though David made mistakes, he had a heart after God. That's what God says about him. I think when God sees that kind of heart, and this can go across the board, doesn't just have to be about a husband or 
when he sees that heart and we're pining, we're longing, we're hoping, I always told my daughters particularly that God will do the work that he will do in you alone. And then there will be more work that perhaps you definitely need two is better than one. Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be true, even with girlfriends, like with, you know, your peers or friends or at my age, I can do s- my heart work, my soul work alone in my private, quiet meditation time with God. But there are other times where I need another, I need an accountability partner, or I need someone even other than my husband at this point. And so I think it's such a beautiful book for women of all ages to take it and maybe dear future Janelle, dear future Debbie, dear future grandchild, dear future, just, and use your book as a guide to write love letters, Mm -hmm. a love letter journey, right? While you're waiting for God's best in your life, dear future job, dear future calling dear future mission. So thank you so, so much. I am very, very curious that do we, and I'm going to say me, do we women particularly, and there are a lot of dads too, but primarily women, do we make an idol out of marriage? I think that's such a brilliant thought and a question. And I want your thoughts on it, especially within the Christian culture. Yeah. And that was actually something I really tried to to tackle in the book too, because as I was writing it, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, I didn't want the reader to walk away with the idea that a woman's only worth is if she gets married. Correct. Um, But we've done that. I know I I wrote, I told you, I wrote this question. Have we done this to young women? Yes. I listened to them and I'm the one who is working with their feedback loop, Mm -hmm. their thought cycle Yep. and having the shame cycles. Yeah. Right. And so tell us more. Yeah. Well, I think even, you know, being heavily involved in in church and in churches, you know, I think a lot of times we, you know, an idol is anything we place between God and ourselves, you know, and so it can be a desire, it can be a thing. It's not just this little wooden carved right. figure, you know, that we think of so often with that. It's not such a pagan thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, it's not a sinful desire to desire to be a wife. But it does become an idol and it does become sinful if we want that more than we want God. And if we want that more than we want what he says is for us in that time. And throughout writing the book, something that even me, you know, writing, I found I was like, you know, all of the while I've become the person that God destined me to be. And my relationship with God grew exponentially. And it was really neat to see that in my own letters. And I I try to put that in the book too, because we do make an idol of it. And I think a lot of times too, there's a stigma against singles like, well, you don't have a husband, so you wouldn't understand. And that's been something even working with youth that I found often when we would reach the point in the semester when we were kind of talking about relationships, you know, I would offer up some things and, and I don't think it was meant in malice, but I was met by Mm -hmm. some other leaders who were like, well, you know, if you were married, you would understand that this, that, and the other. And it, and Mm -hmm. I felt so shot down. Yes. I tried not to take it personally, but I did look at it like, man, Mm. 
because I don't have MRS in the top title of my name, yeah. then suddenly I don't know anything, you okay. know, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's where the church culture has made an idol of, mm-hmm. well, as soon as you're married, then suddenly you're, you're Bingo. in the club. You're in the you club, know. baby. You have wisdom suddenly, or you yeah, have relationships. You, you can teach on relationships once you're in one. Darling. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that hurts. Okay. You know, like what about somebody yeah. who's really a servant? What about somebody who has been in relationships, yes. has, you know, has seen some of the dark underbelly of it, you know, and uh-huh. stuff like and that. And you have good and parents think, who have probably imaged for you, I would think, authenticity. It seems exactly. to me that you have a very secure sense of attachment, which we talk a lot mm-hmm. about here. And yeah. I, I really believe uh, that when you have that secure attachment, it's not a 100% foolproof, haven't done years of research on it. The reason you weren't boy crazy or mm-hmm. what attributed to you not being boy crazy was the fact that you were secure. I'm going mm-hmm. to guess that you may have a really solid relationship with your dad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It Not perfect, not perfect, but it tends to be in my observations of decades of watching families just when, cause I didn't get it. I write on it cause I didn't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, when a child is so secure and anchored in their family system, you're less prone to need someone else to fill your cup. Yeah. And that I makes think sense. That, oh, that makes total sense. And I, yeah. And I would say you are correct. I have a really wonderfully healthy relationship with my father. I'm yeah. grateful for he's, he's yeah, like my best. A, yes. <laughs> oh, um, it's a, he's a gift. I mean, I just can't yeah. tell Young parents, yeah, I can't. You set tell. the bar very high for a husband. Good. Yes, dad. Tell him I said, yes, dad. <laughs> um, but you know, I think back to the question of have we made an idol of it in the church? I think we yes. have, you know, and I think mm-hmm. we have to take a step back and realize that you know it's it's not just about being married, but we do have to look at it, okay, you know what is God calling for in this season? And just because you're not married by 30 does not automatically make you Paul. Um, That's the other thing that I keep, I've heard so many times, like, well, you know, maybe you're called to singleness like Paul. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I I don't, you know, respectfully, I I don't feel that that's what the Lord has placed in my heart Mm -hmm. for expectation. Like he has placed a seat of desire to be married. And I've asked him, if that's not for me, take that out. Yes. And I don't think just because you hit three zero that suddenly then you become in the Absolutely Paul category. Not. Oh, you know? wow. Okay. All right. Heartlifters. I do not want you to say that to any single woman or man ever, you know, that, oh, maybe you're a Paul right. single life. No, please. Let's, let's reframe right. how we share and talk to our single sisters, please. It's critically important, critically important well, because that, that says to me then getting pumped up here. Uh-huh. That says to me then that you're w- not worth as much mm-hmm. to the body of Christ, or perhaps you're just worth so much more that you're going to be, you know, in the Paul category. Well, Paul was a human and, and many yeah. theologians still think a wife was the thorn in his flesh. We just never got that. <laughs> yeah. But I think it devalues you. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, it does. Well, and it puts a label that I don't think, you know, I think it'd be one thing that if you feel in your spirit that you were to give somebody a word and say, hey, I really feel like of all the people in the Bible, I feel you are so much reminiscent of Paul. What a high compliment you could get. Yes, correct. But when you kind of pigeonhole them and you're saying, oh, well, you're called a singleness like Paul, 
it's almost like, hey, I'm going to shut up everything you could ever have to say about relationships. But what's ironic is Paul was one of the ones who talked the most on relationships. Certainly did. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's so ironic, you know, (laughs) that I've come across that where it's like Paul instantly single. And it's like, yeah, but he wrote Ephesians. Like, you know, like I've noticed that, you know, just Mm -hmm. in our church culture, you know, because we're human. And we try and we we all have good intentions. We try, you know, we think we're saying the best thing to encourage the person to feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, like you should, you know, this, that, and the other, like it's a bandaid or an explanation, but sometimes that's not what singles Mm -hmm. need. And I actually just wrote an article on that for Crosswalk, but oh, good. sometimes you just need, hey, you know what, whatever God is for your future, I'm rooting for you. And I'm excited to see what he's about to do. And I love seeing that like he's been growing this in you. I've been seeing this discipline grown in you. I've been seeing you grow in community. I've been seeing you really like interact with our kids group really well, you know, things like that. So it's kind of Tell us, what should we say? I was going to ask you that. You've told us a few things already, but give us some more. Like, what do you want? Like, do you just want that safe space where someone says to me, well, where's your heart today? You know, how can I pray for you today? I think that, and I think too, you know, and I think always, always, you know, pray about it before you go up and start a conversation, you know, like, Lord, please Mm. welcome you into the conversation. Please help me not to say anything that would be damaging or hurtful, um, but would instead inspire and allow yourself to be a voice box for the Lord, you know, but I think too, encouraging them, hey, you know, I just wanted to tell you over the past six months, I've been seeing God grow this in you. And that is such Mm -hmm. a cool thing, you know, things like that, or Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer too. Um, I actually had somebody pray for me about a week ago. And when they prayed, you know, she prayed for me for actually for marriage, but mm. I felt it so deeply within that I described mm. it as I felt like she had a candle that was lit and mm. she was lighting my the, the wick of my candle because my candle has not been lit. Right. And she lost nothing. Her flame continues to endure, but mm. she passed along to me, not, not some magical spell, not some, yeah, you know, whatever, but, but instead she offered like, Hey, I know what it's like to long for this. And yeah. I'm going to pray for you and with you because I have seen God come through for me. So I'm going to pray over you. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think when we can relate and know, you know, Hey, I've been in that boat. So yeah. I know exactly how to pray for you. It's a lonely boat. I've been in that lonely boat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give in community. I do too. I, I'm really grateful you shared that. Thank you yeah. very, very much. So Heartlifter, we're going to stop right here and save the rest of the conversation I have with Callie for our bonus on this Friday. What are your thoughts I left you in the beginning with that incredible Hebrew understanding of the word pant, which comes from alreg, and that means to long for. But then when you look down into the deepest root, it actually means to ascend, A-S-C-E-N-D, to move, to climb or go upward, mount or rise So we could say with Psalm 42, as the deer moves higher, climbs higher, mounts higher, rises, so my soul, 
my soul, your soul, moves and climbs higher, goes upward. What? I just think that is such a profound understanding of our longings and how much God cares, how much he knows, how much he sees and hears, and how much he delights in what you are longing for. And I believe when we're on our spiritual journey and we are spending time and getting to know God, that he puts into our hearts his longings and then his longings become our longings and then they just become one big, beautiful longing or desire. And that will make us climb higher, move higher, and get closer and closer to God. So what, what are you longing for? I am putting my hand over my heart right now because I am longing for some really deep things in my life. How about you? I would love to hear from you. Meet me over on Instagram at Janelle Reardon. Meet Callie at Callie Logan, C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-G-A-N. When this post on our Instagrams, please share your comments. We want to hear your thoughts. I understand how one way this conversation is, but I care and Callie cares about what you care about. We'd love to hear from you. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And if you would be so kind, leave a review. Go to JanelleRairden.com slash podcast, scroll all the way to the bottom, leave one or two lines. It's really easy, really easy to do. But the ramifications and the ripples in spheres of influence really will be magnificent. Okay, Heartlifter, until Friday's bonus, where Callie and I are going to talk more about longing, but specifically about the waiting room. I encourage you in this space between today's release and Friday's bonus to perhaps go back and listen to the beautiful audio meditation, The Waiting Room, in Season 3 bonus, and The Three Letters, Season 3 bonus. I created those for you, just for you, so that you could experience something really special and magical. Until then, remember that you are becoming stronger every day. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.